Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded with my soul sister, Miss Lindsay Sikornik. So Lindsay, founder of Live and Wake, badass, transformational artist, coach, mentor, advisor, entrepreneur, and just all around incredible human being. I just adore this woman. And we recorded this one live in Nosara. It was just such a potent, we talked about a lot of concepts that I've been kind of thinking about, you know, the role that safety plays inside of staying grounded, what staying grounded even means. Like, I really feel like the idea of being grounded has just changed for me over the years. Like I used to think it was any one thing. And now I'm starting to see that becoming grounded is actually part of the soul's journey. It's like, it's, it's our path to learn how to be less attached, to be more still, to have more inner peace, to experience more emotional freedom. Like that's like all of our paths in some way, shape or form. Like we, yeah, there's a lot of things that we do in this world, but truly like who we are and, and, and who we're becoming and how we choose to live our lives and how we meet life says more about us than anything we do. And I just really appreciated this conversation. We went in so many different directions, talked about so many different practical tips and ways to practice self-love, to practice nervous system regulation, which is the art of learning to self-soothe, the art of being with the totality of our emotions, the good and the bad, leaning into struggle and adversity, and, and just so much more. I just really appreciate the depth that Lindsay has accessed within herself and as a result allows me to go to inside of these conversations and truly one of my favorite human beings to record with. So enjoy the episode, tag us on social, leave us a review, let us know what landed. I mean, this was just such a deep and potent and rich conversation from two people that are just deep in their own processes and deep in their own work and navigating a lot of different um, questions about, about life. And as a result, you guys get to be flyers on the wall for all of that exploration. So Anyways, all right, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, any of the podcast apps. All that means that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. And I hope you guys are having a beautiful day. I I love all of you, and I see all of you, even though I'm not physically seeing you. Like The fact that you are taking time out of your day to listen to this episode, to listen to this podcast, means that you care for yourself. And I just want to acknowledge that, because sometimes self-care can be that easy. Just a simple choice to honor yourself, to listen to yourself, to see your needs, and to meet yourself exactly where you need to be met. So I love you. Thank you for being. And without further ado, here is the amazing Miss Lindsay Sikornik. Enjoy. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Rash. How uh, are you? I love this like in-person Nosara thing that's happening. Pure magic. It's so good, right? It's so good. Like I, one, just before, I mean, you and I have been soul soul siblings for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. 
and just like the conversation we just had dropping in to straight truth. Why does it seem like we keep bringing in people that are perfectly there to meet you where you're at? Like, do you ever feel like, especially since being here, like, and like, as you grow and evolve, you tend to attract people that are also growing and evolving or there to teach you something in order to grow and evolve. Yeah. Have you been sitting with that? <laughs> Have you been sitting with that? I've been sitting with you. <laughs> that has been my 100% experience. And I'm in a state of awe and gratitude. And my cheeks are actually like a little bit sore from smiling so much, even yeah. though we were talking about like very intense, very dark topics for, for each of us. Yeah. There's like a familiarity and a, a comfort in sitting across from someone. And we, we've seen each other socially recently quite a few times, but yeah. we haven't actually like had a, a deep drop in. And I'm sort of just in awe at the fact that we're navigating some like very, very similar topics. And so I really believe in the divinity of everything. One of my favorite mantras is that it's all divine. And I don't think there are any coincidences. And one thing that I've learned over the years, and you and I, I think, are a perfect example, is like, I know when I know. Mm. And I remember the first time we met, there was like an instant, like, I think we probably just made eye contact. And I'm like, <laughs> you, <laughs> I know you, I recognize you. And I don't know. I mean, I do believe in this idea of like star people is how I call us. People that that have like maybe come from the same stardust. I don't know if that's literally true in terms of physics and the Big Bang or energetically or spiritually, but there's like a recognition of people who are vibrating in the same way. And and I do think that idea of like resonance yeah. is really true. And so we draw people and situations into our lives that are resonant with where, where we're at energetically and whether that's in romantic partnership, in friendships, in life, in business, we've been talking about many of these different topics. I think every single person around us is a mirror for where we're at vibrationally. And I think resonance is beautiful because it could be conscious resonance. Like, oh yeah, I really vibe with this song. I vibe with this person. Like there's a vibe and then there's unconscious resonance where like you don't even realize you're carrying Mm -hmm. some level of dense matter in your system mm -hmm. that is calling in density, that yes. is calling in something. And I believe, and I think we actually talked about this maybe on this podcast, maybe we just had a conversation about this. I don't know when, at some <laughs> point this was discussed, that our souls actually naturally want to vibrate upwards. Like mm -hmm. the highest resonance is like inspiration. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's enlightenment. Like mm -hmm. that, that state of spiritual, the elevated state, mm -hmm is I think naturally where everything wants to go. I would say play is up there. Mm -hmm. Like this is why passion, passion, sure. like it's like when, this is why when we're playing, it just feels really easy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really feel like work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel hard. It doesn't feel dense. There's a natural lightness to it. And I think mm -hmm. the challenging part for me is that I choose so much of the light, but it's like, I have to keep reminding myself to get to the highest states of light. You have to move through the dark mm -hmm. you have to be willing to sit with the dark. I mean, there's so many directions we can go right now around just the role that shadow work plays mm -hmm. in your own personal development journey. Like mm -hmm. how often do you play in the light, mm -hmm. which is like the personal growth, like the positivity, mm -hmm. like the manifesting, the getting what I want, like mm -hmm. creation versus like, dancing in the shadow, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. the more denser material. Like what's your yeah. balance? I have been called the cave dweller by close friends. So I dance in the darkness a lot. It's a place that I'm very curious about. 
I'm drawn to. And to give you a trajectory over my lifetime, I started in my early preteens, even 12, 13 years old, becoming obsessed with things like the Holocaust, Hitler, serial killers, World War II, child predators. Like I was contemplating topics in my early and mid-teens that I don't think most humans would ever even want to have to think about in their lifetime. And I had this kind of insatiable curiosity to sit in the horror of human behavior Mm. for the sake of trying to understand, like, how could this be? And I don't know where that came from. I'm sure it's some kind of karmic situation. Like I was just born that way. Literature, I've been an avid reader since I was a young child, watching very, you know, deep films, not like romantic comedies, like Schindler's (laughs) List. My favorite movie of all time was Silence of the Lambs. I've seen it like 60 times, Clarice Starling and Hannibal Lecter, getting inside the mind of a serial killer, which is kind of ironic when I look at the work that I do now, which is really getting into the shadow parts of people that I work with. For me, there's a deep fascination in the human experience is what I would say. And so while I've always had this very in contrast, like light personality, like deeply optimistic, deeply positive, very happy in my day to day. I've also had this capacity and also this almost like insatiable need to dive into the darkness. And the blessing of that is that I processed many, many, many very dark things like the things I just mentioned at a very young age. And in addition to just living through life and having family mental health stuff and addiction and trauma and things around me, which has allowed me to have this capacity to hold space with others for all kinds of darkness. And I also believe that it's given me an appreciation for the light and the the beauty of of that. And as I've gotten older, in order to cope with a lot of the imprinting I had as, as a young child, I developed a lot of tricks of the trade in order to stay in the light, you know, like yoga, distance running, all the coaching, therapy, mindset, all the things. And so I'm actually really a master, I can live in the light pretty much 100% of the time if I want to. But what I realized is that a lot of that is is bypassing and Mm. it's a lot of suppression slash repression. So when I've had a few critical moments in my life where I've had some sort of shattering or some kind of breakdown, it has made me realize really the beauty of immersing myself in the darkness. Trevor Hall has a great line in one of his songs. He calls it the fruitful darkness. And that's how I really, at this point in my life, I really consider it is to be very fruitful to get, it's the compost material. And I don't believe anymore. I used to think that I was on a trajectory from the darkness to the light, enlightenment, right? That's really what the definition of going from the darkness to the light. Now I see it more as just like more of the the um, ecstatic dance of life, like the yogis call it, Nataraja. And and it's it's like a sad song comes on and then a happy song comes on. And I don't see it as a linear path to try to get somewhere. I really, I think we talked briefly about the idea of intergenerational trauma, for example. The more that I clear my own personal darkness and shadows, the more that I become available to start receiving wisdom, knowledge, emotions, nervous system reactions that I know are not even mine directly. And then it becomes more collective. Like I'm feeling it on behalf of all women ever. That's a good point because I think, you know, I used to think that's a really beautiful reframe around like the work 
is never really done. So I've stopped calling it work. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's just life. Like mm-hmm. you can get to a layer of healing. You can get to a layer of, of liberation within mm-hmm. yourself. And then you just keep accessing new sensitivities. In fact, mm-hmm. the more I release what's not mine, the more sensitive I get mm-hmm. to all things, exactly. the more nuanced I am with like, okay, like these, like my triggers now are so nuanced and the things that I'm looking at in my life and the questions that I'm asking mm-hmm. in my life, it's, it's hard for me to even communicate it with some people in my life, mm-hmm. like family, friends, because it's like, it's, it's a different, not a level. It's just a different layer mm-hmm. of the, of the mm-hmm. cake, but it's all cake mm-hmm. and it all tastes great. Mm-hmm. And I'm now sometimes wishing, well, actually, no, I don't wish, I don't wish that I wasn't me because uh-huh. I love that I'm me and I love that I love to go digging. Uh-huh. And I'm also really practicing radical acceptance of what is and letting go. Like, I think my medicine has really been in the surrender, kind of like the the softer. Mm-hmm. Like we talked a lot about, like, so I think this idea of death and death can have this like very like, let these parts of me to die. I don't want this rejection anymore. I'm just going to let it go. I want to kill this aspect of me. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's been more about, can I soften into mm-hmm. the shadow? Mm-hmm. Can I soften into these aspects of myself that are here and clearly force isn't letting them go away. And so force isn't going to work. What is, and can I experiment with that? And can I be patient with that? And can I develop different muscles to really allow the spaciousness for alchemy to happen? Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, I feel like we're all just figuring out how to be the best alchemists. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, like Mm -hmm. your form of alchemy is going to be different than mine. And that's meant to be. And that's why we're here to teach each other too. That's why we're here to share what's working and what's not working. Mm -hmm. Because as we learn how to become the alchemists, it ends up being the service that we can provide others. hundred percent. And what you said earlier about the higher frequencies of love, joy, gratitude, passion, I do believe that is our natural state. And I, I believe that a lot of our 3D world human experiences create density within ourselves that, that become like stickiness that we call shadows. But I think of it in terms of bringing the light to the darkness. And I, I think of the analogy of going in cenotes, you know, those caves in Mexico mm-hmm. that you can go, I once went scuba diving in them. Mm-hmm. And the idea for me now is when I find a part of myself, let's say shame or humiliation or rejection or abandonment or something that does not feel, that feels very dense And it came from something, whether it's this lifetime or past, who knows, often we can identify it, sometimes we don't. Instead of trying to cut it out, get rid of it, or deal with it as quickly as possible, my new practice is the opposite, which is to sit with it, as you just talked about, not only in acceptance, but I've actually raised the bar for myself, which is, can I love those parts of myself? unconditionally as much as I love my joy or my charisma or my intelligence or the other things that are easy to love. And so it's like bringing a flashlight into all the little nooks and crannies of my being. And especially when they get triggered and I'm forced to look at something, you know, insert any kind of dense feeling. And it's like, can I love myself in my awkwardness? Can I love myself in my humiliation? Can I love myself in my rejection? And until I can get to a solid yes, like I love that self, that part of me, then I sit with it longer and longer and longer. And I'll just share that the one analogy that I find really helpful, the Buddhist practice of 
taking any part of ourselves that we we don't like a shadow part and holding it like cradling it like a newborn baby and literally speaking to that part of ourselves and saying it's okay you can stay as long as you want to you're welcome here shame you're welcome here rejection mm. i love you and and pema children has one of my favorite quotes of all time she said nothing ever leaves us until it's taught us what we need to learn so if it's still with us if it's still present if it's still activated then that means it's there's something divine there for us. There's something for there's a gift in it. And that's where it's like I, I find the sensitivity and the softness. Like if you're out there constantly trying to kill parts of you, they won't speak back. Mm-hmm. You you need to befriend it before you transcend it. Like yes. I remembered so the friend of mine years ago and he dropped that line. Like and I always loved it because I think there's like when back into spiritual bypassing. Like I think there's this desire to bypass all of these aspects of ourselves, I'm actually really curious to know, like when you say sit with it Mm -hmm. and like love these parts, Mm -hmm. what does that look like in practice? What does it mean to love these parts of you, these parts Mm -hmm. that are rejection when I almost dance on the other side sometimes where it's like, if I loved myself, would I actually allow myself to feel Mm -hmm. this way? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, there's this, there's a duality there that I'm really interested in hearing your perspectives on. Yeah. First, I'll just comment on the second part of what you said, and then I'll answer the first, which is for me, everything is about finding that the golden mean, you know, that point of equilibrium. I think there's a point at which we may be self-harming by continually kind of feeding into some of these ruminations or whatever. So I do think there's a, there's a place to be mindful of how much, how often, for how long we're going into some of these places. But one of the things that I've had the privilege of, of learning about specifically in the last year is some of this work around internal family systems, mm. IFS and yeah. parts work. I've been studying with Gabor Mate for the Amazing. last year, doing a, a year long certification with him. And the work literally involves going into the somatic, the physical sensations or the emotions and through a guided process, which is super powerful and intense. And I I can do a session with you offline or maybe we can record one another time, but you literally go in and visualize yourself speaking with, for example, tightness in your throat or a pain in your heart or anxiety or fear or rejection. and, And you can start to dialogue with that. And there are different layers according to this theory. Richard Schwartz is the creator of it. Yeah, highly big, recommend. Big fan of internal okay. You know it. So, and, so that's yeah. the process that I follow now. And it's really about, it's very, it's almost psychedelic, but you, you can do it totally sober through visualization, getting into a relaxed state and you go in and you can ask like, what's the earliest time I felt these feelings. And, and it's amazing. I've had a hundred percent of the people I've ever done this go back and be like, I was six years old. This is what was happening. And you can trace it back to some of these earlier memories. And it creates literally an imprinting of a part of ourselves like when I was growing up, it was like multiple personality disorder was not the politically correct way to call it now, but you literally have different personalities and it was considered to be kind of a, a very kind of extreme thing that people had. Now they know that we all have multiple personalities, like hundreds of them inside of ourselves. There's another, people have called it evaded ego states and all these other things. But in order to befriend, we have to understand that every single part of us was created as a way of coping with life circumstances that felt unbearable. So they were all there initially to keep us safe, to keep us in a feeling of being somewhat in control. For example, when our parents are behaving as children in ways that are abusive or hurtful, or we receive it as being those, it's unimaginable for a child to believe that that they're not being held in a safe container by the adults around them. So they will never blame the parent. We will innately, as children, 
blame ourselves. Well, I must have been a bad girl or else my parent wouldn't have spoken to me like that. And so that's a psychological truth that children would feel it would be like like psychological suicide for them to not feel safely held by the adults around them. And so the only coping strategy in that case is to make themselves decide that they were wrong, which might lead to self-hatred, feeling unworthy of love, all these other things that come from it. And so every single part of us is there, even to this day, I have a part of me that's the street fighter and it's like, you don't want to mess with me. And it comes out. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh God, I can't believe I said that thing or I did that thing. When I go back and talk to them, like they're trying to protect me. And actually they're trying to protect the little girl behind them who's like six years old and trusts everyone and just puts her heart out on the table for everyone. So there's a whole little ecosystem. And every single one of those parts is there trying to, in their best way, you know, like my street fighter thinks that punching someone in the face is a good idea to protect me. It's like you need to re-educate them that, A, I don't need that kind of protecting. I'm a grown woman now. I'm not six years old. And and B, there are other ways that we can um, have those needs be met. Well, I think learning to be your own best parent is, the, I think, one of the skill sets of this generation. Like, mm-hmm. I think all of us in some way, shape or form, I, I'm blessed with incredibly loving parents and I still had stuff to unravel, mm-hmm. right? And so even if we had the most loving childhoods, all of us have things that we get to work through. And I think the most empowered way is to just become the parent that you need for these parts and communicate and learn. And maybe that is what self-love is. I think at the ultimately, like when we, like learning to love these parts unconditionally is learning to identify the parts within ourselves that are holding the pain mm-hmm. and communicate with them until they feel ready to not feel that way. Because I think I used to think that I had to kill these feelings off Mm -hmm. because I, one, couldn't bear to be in them. Mm -hmm. And so there's almost like even a bypass there for me, like, oh, I want to get rid of this thing because I don't like it. But the more powerful way is to allow it to exist and learning to build the the sophistication in in the way I communicate with myself Mm -hmm. to speak to it when it does show up and reparent it and then come back into confidence and power or whatever the state is that I desire. And that is the softer way. And in fact, that is what we all deserve from ourselves. Like we don't deserve to be mean to ourselves. We don't deserve any of the the critical nature, at least for me, like I grew up being an athlete and I have this inner coach in my head that Mm -hmm. just wants to like bash me when I'm not doing my best or when I'm slowing down or when I don't, show up perfectly in relationship or there's like all these things that just want to like beat me down. And I've been really like recently we talked about Ho'oponopono, like that's been my like saving grace. Like anytime I like feel like I make a mistake or I'm like, I just come back into like looking, I look for the part inside of me and I just Ho'oponopono it until I either break down or I feel fine. But it's like, it takes that softness and the slowness. And I'm, and I'm glad you brought up internal family systems and that framework, because I think it's so valuable to, I think we talk, I talk a lot about like, love yourself. Yeah. But what the fuck does that, that mean? mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, what is that? Okay. Tell me, what does that look like? Yeah. That's one tangible example of what it looks like. Totally. And I've had the privilege of working with many, many people in that, in that system of, It's fascinating to see when we soften to these parts, we ask their permission. Is it okay if we talk to you literally? Are you feeling safe? And we can go in and and there's this like, can't go over it, can't go under it, got to go through it. 
creating a safety in our nervous systems to be able to, the word allowing is really coming through, I think, mm-hmm. as a theme for us today, yeah. allow whatever emotions or physical sensations are present. And I, I've come up with this analogy lately of, of, I'm calling them swamp bubbles. Like, you know, in a swamp, when these like, like in Shrek, when these like gases are under and then it, they just percolate up and they like burst out these emotions that we've buried or suppressed or repressed over the years. It's often only when we get to a certain level of nervous system safety, for uh-huh. example, in a relationship that feels really connected or in a time of our life where we're really on top of things that our nervous systems might feel out of fight or flight long enough to have some of these older emotions bubble up like swamp bubbles. And so it can come out of nowhere and you're like, what is happening? I'm meditating and I'm doing the yoga and I'm surfing and all of a sudden I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling depressed or whatever. And for me, that's very progressive. That's progress because that means we're safe enough that we can allow. And so when we go back into these parts of ourselves, how we can love ourselves is literally what you just described. Like I've done it with clients many, many times. I do it with myself all day, every day. I go in and I'm like, ooh, some part of me is feeling anxious or something else. And I go in and I talk to them and I'm like, what's happening right now? And I'll say, I'm sorry I sold out on us. I'm sorry I said we'd go to that party that you really knew you didn't want to go to because you're overextended. You're right. I'm going to go back. I'm going to clean up the mess for us. And I make it right with that part of myself and literally say to these parts of ourselves, like, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry they weren't there for you when you needed them to. I'm here for you now. I've got you and literally holding them, imagining this is all in your visualization, which as anybody knows, who's done any research on visualization, like our minds don't know the difference between visualization and physically it happening. So we can literally rewrite the scripts of our lives, rewrite the stories of our lives and therefore re-imprint our nervous systems to a healthy circuitry by doing sometimes in as little as one session in 10 minutes of going back in and allowing that little six-year-old child to grieve or to be held or to say that they feel scared and then committing to them as the adult highest self version of ourselves that I've got your back. I'm sorry. And our parents, every parent out there, I have four kids is doing the very best with what they have. You know, when we know better, we can do better. So Mm -hmm. this is not about blaming parents. It's just, it's like, It's just about taking responsibility for our own healing. And sometimes that does involve creating some accountability for the people that may have hurt us directly or indirectly. So those are all other topics, but it can be as, as quick and as powerful as a 10 minute interaction with that part of, and and I've literally had many situations where you can tell that little six-year-old that instead of lashing out at somebody every time or feeling terrified every time you let them go finger paint in your visualization Mm. and that part never needs to get activated again, or some other parts that might take more time and more relationship building with them and trust. So those are very tactical, tangible ways to literally love ourselves. And it's the opposite of cutting those, shaming those parts even more and saying, get out of here. You're, you're uncomfortable. We don't like the way you feel, you know, the outcast is what they call them in that modality. And, and the opposite is saying like, you know, what are you, what wisdom do you have for us? What's your message? What are you afraid of? What are you trying to protect us from? And then really bringing everybody to the table and working together with your highest self driving the boat. I love the, um, the, the, you brought it back to safety. Cause I think that's really important to like double state. Like I remember a really good close friend of mine early on in my journey had been doing like eight months or so of like deep work. And I was at the top of my life. I remember he looked at me and he's like, you ready to lobster up Raj? And I was like, what do you mean lobster up? He's like, well, Raj, 
When lobsters get too safe for their shells, they then leave their safe shells to go find bigger ones.、Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck.、Mm-hmm. And, and I remember it like started a whole frame because you nailed it. Like when you feel safe, when you、mm-hmm. reach a certain level of progress, that's when the nervous system's like, okay, this person can handle, I can offload more.、Mm-hmm. And it's like it's offloading more. And that can look like it's a never ending cycle.、Mm-hmm. But it actually is progress and it's worth celebrating. And、mm-hmm. I love that because, like, it's so discouraging sometimes,、mm-hmm. like, to feel like you're on this hamster wheel of healing.、Yes. We're like, oh, I'm just going to keep going. It's never、yes. stopping. I'm always going. But, but truly, like, when you actually reflect back, this is why, like, I think in mental health, like, we're, we're actually looking at the wrong metrics.、Mm-hmm. Like, it's not having less depression and、mm-hmm. less anxiety.、Mm-hmm. Like, those are symptoms. There's deeper layer things that we should be tracking.、Mm-hmm. Like, we should be tracking how your relationship to these parts. Like,、mm-hmm. that's what we should be like looking at over time.、Mm-hmm. And if collectively over time, you are improving your relationship with your parts, you、mm-hmm. are, 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 are better equipped to navigate your internal chatter. If we can start to even map these, like, these, these metrics and、mm-hmm. track that,、mm-hmm. that's what you should be celebrating. Totally. It's not about being happy all the time,、oh, nor is it about、no. being at any level of bliss、yeah. for extended states of time.、Mm-hmm. That's the broken model.、Yeah. And, I, and I think that what we're talking about right now is an evolved way to think about mental health.、Mm-hmm. It is, I think, the only way to actually stay sane on the journey of transformation. Because if you, Try to track against anything else, you will go insane. And you will, like, at least I know for myself, like it's hard because then you'll go back into the self deprecating cycle of being like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I should be meditating more.、Mm-hmm. I should be going to yoga more. I should be doing all these things.、Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really tricky, slippery slope. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And again, that's sort of rooted in an old model of like more is more and like kind of an old kind of patriarchal, hierarchical. Model versus an ecosystem of an organic model of nature, which is、yeah. everything has a time and a cycle. And just to comment on your comment about, oh, I'm circling around the same topic over and over again, I see it more like an ever expanding spiral. So we might revisit certain topics and themes, but it's never the same thing twice. But that's where you can only know that if you're actually looking at it from a holistic standpoint.、Exactly. Like if you look at it so literally and you'd be like,、yeah. I thought I already had dealt with this. Exactly. And if you're just so literal with the symptom. Yeah. You miss the opportunity to actually have gratitude for,、exactly. oh, wow, like when was the last time I was dealt with a challenge like this? What was my state then? What is my state now? How am I actually responding to this、exactly. adversity? What level of awareness am I bringing into the conversation?、Yeah. Like, awareness is something we just don't celebrate、it's、as a society. Everything. But it's the it's medicine. Like, everything. Self awareness is everything. Because once. I'll give you my personal example. You're talking about being happy all the time. I, for my entire life, was happy all the time. Like, if you would ask anybody, they're like, she's the happiest person I know. I'm like, I'm the happiest person I know. I could like flip the switch on anything, shift the perspective, forgive people, take the high road. They didn't know any better. I had all the practices, all the things until I went through a divorce a few years ago and had to actually sit in, in a breakdown of my entire life as I thought I knew it. And I had two different friends who were doing energy work on me tell me that they felt a massive pit of rage. Both of them separately used the word rage in my solar plexus. And I looked at both of them like they were crazy because I wasn't feeling mad at all. I was feeling grateful. I was feeling a bit like very sad, but anger wasn't even on my radar. And it triggered an awareness in me of like, 
at first I didn't believe them because I was like, I don't feel angry. I feel happy. I feel grateful. I feel many other things. Then when I started to allow it, I realized that I had suppressed my own anger, my own rage for my entire life to the Mm. point where I did not even have access to that feeling. I was scared of anger because I had a lot of volatility growing up. And so anger was not an emotion that I felt safe with. So I just avoided it like the plague. So to your point about measuring mental health based on how happy or not sad or not anxious you're feeling is a very dangerous thing. And the second thing I want to comment on is the multidimensionality of the healing work, of the expansion work. It's not even just healing, it's activation, expansion, all of it. For example, you can do, as I did, years and years of therapy and coaching and and cognitively understand all the patterns, where they came from, forgive everyone, understand nobody meant to do what they did. But somatically, you're still going to have things trapped in your physical body. Emotionally, you might, like I did, have suppressed whole giant buckets of emotion, whether it's grief or shame Mm -hmm. or sadness or whatever, rage, any of those things. And energetically, there's all these different ways to come at it. So I think it's also a very two-dimensional and very flimsy model to think that just because we've forgiven or we understand or we can trace back that we've cleared ourselves. And that's where a lot of chronic illness comes into play. You know, the physical somatic and Gabor Mate is like, shout out to Gabor as the genius of all geniuses around this. It's in a way it's never ending. And in a way it's always like progressive and it's, it's all good. And I, 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 Shrek keeps coming up for me today for some reason with the swamp bubbles, but there's a scene in the early one where he burps and he's like better out than in. I always say, so whenever I'm having a wave, I think of it like these swamp bubbles, these waves of emotion or flashbacks. That's the other thing. People may have suppressed literally memories of what happened of situations. And especially with severe trauma and things like that until a point where they are feeling safe enough in their life, far enough away from the acute danger that that's when things might start to come through. So it's not a sign of failure to feel grief or sadness or rage about something that was horrific that might have happened to you. It's actually a sign of great progress that you have even access to those memories or Such to those emotions. And it's like, this. for me, I'm like better out than in. And it's about creating the container of safety, whether it's with a coach or a therapist or a friend or a loved one to create the space for those emotions to be felt. You know, you got to feel it to heal it. That's another one I really love. It could look like crying for months. I had a client crying for three months straight <laughs> about a breakup, but it was really not about the breakup. It was obviously a lifetime of grief. And she kept texting me and she's like, when am I going to be done crying? And I'm like, you'll be done when you're done. And you'll know you're done when you're done. And until something still has energy to it, obviously seeking medical care if you're in an extreme acute situation, but in general, feeling our feelings is extremely heroic. It's extremely important. It's extremely underrated. There's such a push towards numbing out, distracting, medicating, bypassing, all of the things. And I'm actually really like a huge advocate and practicer in my own personal life of doing the opposite, which is inviting it in, sitting in it. And I've, I've had, I'm a massive overachiever and, and, and perfectionist. And I've started to like cancel work things sometimes because I'm like, I'm just not, I used to just keep calm and carry on. And now I'm prioritizing, giving myself grace giving myself space to have a sad day or to have a an angry day or to have a self-care day, which for me, that's like very radical to pri- I see that as the most productive thing that I could be doing so that I can clear my vessel 
and really bring clear the stickiness and the density so that I'm available to be a conduit for the creation, the the joy, the bliss. Um, But I don't see it as in conflict with that. I see it as the way to get to becoming clearer and clearer as a vessel. I found that like feeling the feeling is one thing, but being able to like truly take the information that is flowing through you when Mm -hmm. you're in your feelings Mm -hmm. and interpret that information and process it Mm -hmm. and learn to like, truly work with that mm-hmm. is where I think like if you wanted anybody who was looking for a tool to like accelerate yes. the process, 100%. like you can stay stuck in feeling mm-hmm. for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Sure. And there's tools to help you move through it and you can mm-hmm. get through it if you, if you just allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. But for me, what I've found is that like, like there's certain philosophies, mm-hmm. like when I know that hurt people hurt people mm-hmm. and when I can sit with that, it doesn't make mm-hmm. the pain any less mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. and it allows me to surrender any external attachment mm-hmm. to anything outside of this feeling mm-hmm. being any different. And 100%. so it's hundred percent mine to process yeah. instead of it being like, Oh, like why did this person leave me? Why did this person choose the other person? Especially in breakups. Like when there's like all the noise of rejection and abandonment showing up, like mm-hmm. I'm finding for myself, there's just layers of stuff that if I accept, if there's principles and ideas and concepts that I accepted, a lot of the noise falls away and then I can just be with the actual feeling mm-hmm. and then it's just beautiful. The feeling is just a beautiful thing. Like in heartbreak, yeah. spe- specifically, I think, like I think loss, whether it's loss of a relationship, loss of a person you love, loss of anything that meant something to you, mm-hmm. like the degree to which you feel is the degree to which you cared about this thing. Exactly. You know, if you didn't yes. actually care. Yes. It, it wouldn't hurt. 100%. And so give yourself the gift of feeling it mm-hmm. because that's how much you cared. Yes. And what actually wants to die is yeah. the attachment. Yes. It's all the layers of the crap. Suffering. The suffering wants to die. You can hurt without suffering. You can feel pain without suffering by clinging 100%. to it. And yeah, I, I really, really love what you're saying. And I, that's, it's so funny. Of course, we have the same philosophy because when I am in those times of deep grief and deep loss, the thing I tell myself every day, and I feel like this is one of the things I'm most proud of myself for is like, I am so freaking grateful to myself for having the capacity to love so deeply. Like I don't fuck around when I love, I'm like all in. So when I'm having heartbreak or loss, I'm like, I feel so blessed to have the capacity to love that deeply that I can also hurt that deeply when that part of my life has died or left or shifted in some way or another. And the other thing that I've really been pondering and taking is that love never dies. Mm. And that's where that idea of attachment and allowing when I can stay in the place of, and this is going up a level of abstraction from maybe our human emotions to a more maybe spiritual perspective is like, I don't have to stop loving that person. I can love them for the rest of my life. And infinitely, there's just a lack of compatibility, potentially in a romantic situation where, or even if somebody's passed on and transitioned, it's like the love doesn't need to die. And then sitting in the grief of the death of what was, whether it's the death of the dream or the death of the actual 3D world expression with that person is such a beautiful honoring of the time that we had with that person. And so as I contemplate, like, what is mental health? What is it to be mentally thriving, emotionally thriving? I don't see it as like, 
less sad, more happy as this sort of continuum. Although I do believe the more work that we do, the more quickly and effectively we may move through those times of pain yeah. without lingering in the, in the suffering of it. But I believe it's our capacity to access the full spectrum of the human emotions that shows a real emotional thriving and mental health thriving is when we can feel deeply sad and not have it destroy us or feel just as quickly go into a feeling of deep elation and, and not, and not feel like it's, you know, the other shoe's going to drop. We have full access. When we are just clear channels and allowing everything to flow through us as it is and building the skill sets to clean and keep ourselves clear. Like we, this is, I think what evolution is Mm -hmm. evolution. Like I don't think our, our parents and grandparents and really, were dealt maybe maybe I think there was just a lot of other stuff that they had to focus on mm-hmm. that they didn't really get to experience I think the depth of 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 evolution mm-hmm. that's happening right now in self-care and mental health and and everything and like I think this is such a gift yes. that we get to give ourselves to know ourselves yes ultimately like when we have awareness of ourselves how we're wired what we need how mm-hmm. to discern between the noise up here and the truth in our hearts like mm-hmm. these are all skill sets that can be developed yes. by just being with what is Definitely. Right? Like being totally. with one of And you're listening to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, it's also like another you care right. about this shit. And it's and, and like yeah. but this is this is to me, I think how like I've been really thinking about what does it mean to stay grounded? Like mm-hmm. I think we're like two hundred and eighty something episodes in at this Amazing. point, like five something years in a row. Like and I keep coming back to like what does it mean to actually stay grounded? And to me, it is this work the work that we can do to just become grounded vessels because our nervous systems are not miscalibrated or imbalanced as a result of anything that hasn't already been processed in our system. And it takes a significant shift in the ways that we care for ourselves in order to get there. But the rewards. Oh, limitless. And I want to just have a quick note on exactly what you're talking, which is the topic of suffering and unnecessary suffering. And I think there are some very practical, tactical tools that people can, so you can have pain, you can have loss, you can have things without causing it to take control, to be in this place, but not of this place. You know, Mm. you can navigate any of life's ups and downs without having it consume you, sadness, grief, anger, rejection, whatever it may be. And a lot of these practices, embodiment practices, surfing, movement, yoga, being mindful of our thoughts. These are very practical, tactical things that can allow us to fully experience the emotional truth of what's happening without allowing rumination or toxic nervous system kind of old wiring programs to continue to harm us. It's about finding that golden, we talked earlier about that golden mean between allowing the waves of emotion to, to we're big into surfing down here in Nosada and having a wave come through like a set that you might get a bit knocked around by without getting sucked into the whirlpool and held underwater. And part of that is to surrender and let your body go literally and metaphorically just go limp and let it flow through you cry be angry in a way that's not harming others you know go pound some pillows in your room journal dance scream whatever you need to do and where it can get into self-harming is when we and this is where all so many of the ancient wisdom traditions from yoga and buddhism and all these others 
to start to become masters of our own minds and not allowing our, our minds to take us into spirals of suffering, of rumination, of going down the, the rabbit holes of worst case scenarios, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's where those practices and those disciplines can help bring us back into that healthy, balanced place of equilibrium. Mm, gosh. I just love talking to you. <laughs> You're like my favorite, probably like one of my favorite human beings to have on the show, just because like, like we're just ping pong. It's I know. true ping pong. Like I, I like I just love it. Like I, 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 you say something and I pick it up, and then I say something, and then you say something, and it's just like this beautiful infinity loop that's just so magical. And I'm just so grateful that you're here, and we're getting to do this in person. And there's like this. Just, I have so much gratitude and respect for you. I mean, like, I really do appreciate the depths of your work. Like, it, I can feel how deep you're willing to go. I think willingness is one of the most, I, I think it's a rare trait. You know, the willingness to go into your shadow, the willingness to admit when you're wrong, the willingness to, like, look at your your ego, the fear, and say, no, not today. Like that willingness is not something that everyone practices. And I know you live that. I'm seeing it. I observe it. And I can feel it in you. And I'm just so grateful and proud to be your friend, to be your to be in your life, to just to really truly see you. Uh it's such a it's such a magnificent thing. So thank you for being Thank you. My heart is bursting right now. You're gonna make me cry. I feel like I'm like I feel the same way about you. And it's you're such a an amazing beautiful um, combination of going deep, deep, deep into the earth, so grounded and having this joy and this light and this this access to bliss and highest levels of of existence. And so I I feel exactly the same way about you. And I feel I think we're blessed to be living in this ecstatic dance of life as we share, as we co-create in our conversations and in this life together. And for me, that's why the differentiation between the darkness and the light we've, we've, I think embodied today mm. that we can go very deep into the darkness and, and exploring really intense, beautiful topics and doing it with such a sense of joy and love and mutual appreciation and, and gratitude. So thank you so much for dancing with me yeah. and bringing me <laughs> onto this amazing, amazing show that you have. I'm so grateful. So good. Well, Lindsay, I will make all of your contact information available in the show notes for anyone who wants to reach out to Lindsay and say hi or thank you. One last question. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Mm, that's such a good question. I really root into my morning practice. That's mm. my non-negotiable. So for me, it looks like these days an early morning surf, getting out into nature. Water is very, very clearing for mm. me. It's I'm, I'm like yeah. double cancer, like water baby it's mermaid like a baptism every day jumping every in the day, ocean like every day <laughs> and then i'm really rooting back deeply deeply into my yoga practice i have like a 25 year deep deep love affair with my yoga practice and mm. that's one that reveals to me over and over again and specifically when i'm going through activated potent times in my life those are the things that i really journaling is another thing that i really root back into but the common elements are water nature embodiment. And then also I really have been leaning, I lean deeply into my, my star people, my friends, my guides, you know, in the human realm and others. So learning really how to ask for help when I'm feeling like I'm spiraling and spinning out. And that's something I want to mention, because that's a newer thing for me in the last sort of five years. And for anybody out there who's not feeling grounded, who might, it's so delicious and perfect to ask for help, you know, ask a friend, ask a coach, a therapist, whoever, 
we're not meant to do this human journey by ourselves. And whether it's asking, going to a yoga class and getting a great teacher, a breathwork session, getting a surf coach to take you out and whatever it is for you, ask for help. Or if you just need to chat with a friend, um, that's new for me to not always have to be the one there for everyone else, but actually starting to ask for that support. And I found it's brought so much more intimacy into my life. So, I mean, you and I are a great example. We just skip the whole small talk. We go right into like, and it's fun, you know, and I used to think it was like embarrassing or I didn't want to air my dirty laundry. And it turns out it's just the human experience. So just reaching out to other people, because when I'm spiraling, the best thing to do is have another friend say, I, I hear you, I feel you, I see you, I've been there, and it brings me right back down to earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm just so good. The, the, the people thing, the friend thing, I just want to mention one thing about that, because like, I think it's really easy to assume that you're being a burden. What I found is that when I have the courage to ask my friends for help, mm-hmm. it gives them the courage to ask me for help. So if you need like a, if you would feel good, if your friend asked you for help, yes, model that mm-hmm. because when you show others that it's safe to do that, mm-hmm. it literally breaks the cycle. And that's what we all need. Like we don't need to be waiting for anyone else to change. We mm-hmm. can actually be the change mm-hmm. and we can, and truly take our own. And so anyways, Lindsay, yeah. love you. Love Thank you. you for being everybody. That's a wrap for this week's episode of stay grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your old friend, Lindsay. And from us, stay grounded. Chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.